it's a tree baler. It makes the tree a little more transportable. And that's a pretty good sized tree right there that he's baling. That thing makes a lot of racket. You can't get past that. <laughs> of the many things that grow near Salem, Oregon, Christmas trees may be the easiest one to forget, at least until that leftover turkey makes room for some holiday spirit. Eric and Candace Page live in Marion County. It's an area that was devastated by wildfires in September of 2020. The Page family is involved in a few businesses, and while Christmas tree farmers should be easy to remember, they've made it their business to remember to help people in need. I think when you when it gets down to it, um, we 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 all need. I'm gonna re say Uncle Sam, <laughs> FEMA. We all need the support when uh, things get bad, but uh, the spirit in this country to recover from things has been shown here. And I believe, you know, it probably happens in many other areas of this country, um, you know, and uh, when a disaster strikes, uh, the people of this country bond together, push through it, and try and fix the problem. And uh, I, I, we have here, I know that. So it's good to know that, that this country has that spirit. I'm David L. Yost, and this is the FEMA Podcast. There's about 14 acres here of, uh, there's more acres than that, but there's 14 acres of active plantings, and they're all in various stages. We've got anything from uh, uh, seedlings that were put in the ground last year to trees that have been here for, oh, about 17 or 18 years. And we also bring in, uh, there's many varieties of Christmas trees. Uh, so uh, as you can see, we've got some uh, trees that kind of look like they're wild. We, ha we, we grow an unsheared type tree. Uh, we call them our noble naturals. Um, we've got uh, dug fir growing here, but um, they're getting picked through a little bit, not too bad. And we bring some dugs in. And then we've got Nordmans out in the field, and there's a big Nordman right there. Uh, those things take forever. So we bring those from our west field in um, to try and provide a, you know, kind of a full complement of different varieties, sizes, and all for, for people. What was the evacuation area or levels here? It was still like kind of uh, low, right? I don't think it hit like... Yeah, all, all we got to here was, was pretty heavy duty smoke uh, on this, but... Uh, you know, at one point, so our we have a farm in McClay, uh, which is East Salem, and that is uh, out towards Staten. Um, we actually cleared out, we have a, a building out there uh, that we keep equipment in and what have you. Uh, we cleared that out uh, because the fire was pushing towards that area and there'd been no sign that it was being stopped whatsoever. Um, that the Staten area, um, I would call it e very East Staten, um, there were some tree farms that were affected that, that the trees actually got burned and those trees uh, would have been trees that we would have been buying uh, that would have supplied us this year. We actually had a field there that we had uh, done a pre-purchase on and, and uh, we lost all those trees. So our, from our wholesale business, 
uh, we ended up having to short some of our customers because those trees were not uh, viable. So we, we were in fact affected by it and I, th I think that the tree industry was affected by it uh, all up and down the valley because there was, there was tree farms that, uh, you know, the trees were either uh, seriously damaged or uh, lost entirely. Probably affected prices, I suspect. So when you say customers, you're not just talking about uh, individuals, right? No, I'm talking about our wholesale buyers that, that we buy, uh, sell large quantities to. You know, we buy quantities to supplement our farms, and then we also buy quantities for wholesale customers. They're setting up lots and, and uh, maybe doing something similar to this. And uh, I, we had have a couple of them that um, they ended up short on, um, on inventory because those trees were lost. Yeah, it's real busy. Yeah, these, these next two weeks will be slammed. All of that that they were just talking about means that you, in a place far away from Oregon, celebrating the same holiday, share a small part of this disaster. A Christmas tree in a Texas home may very well have been grown under a smoke-filled Oregon sky, first decorated with ash. Candace, who goes by Candy, has been helping people recover from the wildfires when she's not helping people pick a tree. We plant every year in February. And then we culture them, we fertilize them, we spray them, and then we cut certain amount of ones, or we have U cuts, and that happens in November and December. Then the process starts all over again. It's a year-round business. The wildfires that burned in the Marion County uh, area, yes, um, did that affect your business, or how, what kind of effect did that have on you? Uh, it did not affect our business. What it did is it affected our friends and our recreational home that we go to for our cabin. And you're listening to that, yeah. Um, it, it didn't, I don't believe it affected our business at all. It just affected more personally. Well, I mean, we don't, I don't think we know uh, entirely the effect on, uh, on our crop, so to speak, because there was a lot of ash that True. came down with those wildfires and there was, many days of you know dark skies no sun and photosynthesis is one of the things that Christmas trees thrive on. The trees look pretty good this year. I don't have concern that somebody's going to buy a tree and it's going to artificially uh, die er early or something like that because of that. But what I think just, it's our seedlings. We just don't, yeah, we have concerns. We had some seedling loss um, in our fields that were planted. Uh, that were, uh, we, were, we were in the second year of their planting, there was really no reason for them to die other than possibly what the effect of the ash, which is technically is a soil changer. So it's coming out of the sky, lands on the ground, the pH of the soil changes with that ash. That possibly could be some of the direct result of some problems um, with some of those trees. Um, but uh, customer-wise, I mean, I, I, until we finish the season up, I, I doubt we've had much effect on our customers. The, the COVID thing is creating probably some things that are difficult, but we seem to be working through that. And um, I think people are one way or another via uh, uh, a no-contact pickup, a delivery, or putting their mask on and coming out here and getting a tree. They're going to get a tree. And that's something different we did this year. We've never had an online store. And yeah. so we have an online store with delivery. 
And we've never done that in the tree business. And it's been very busy. In fact, we have a full-time person on it. So, right. With the yeah. pandemic, it seems like a lot of businesses, a lot of people are being hit like twice. It's not just the wildfires, it's also COVID-19. Right. Uh, so just what you're kind of speaking to, um, you've had to change things for how to respond to COVID-19 while dealing with these wildfires? Correct, exactly. We've had to change a lot. And I've noticed too that we've had to deal with the pandemic with the wildfires is how we deal with people. You know, we couldn't just go help people. We had to be cautious and masks and yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the displacement of people uh, out of their homes, not having what they <laughs> previously had. So, uh, you know, um, there, there's maybe a different style of tree. Some people maybe not getting a tree because the space they're used to putting it in, they don't have that space anymore. Um, so there's probably some of that. The big thing we're doing too, though, that I'm glad we can offer is that we are supplying a lot of the wild, the people who have been displaced out of the wildfire, is we're supplying them with Christmas trees. And then we have a complete group with our Detroit Foundation that's decorating them and we're doing wreaths and everything and doing for all the wildfire people that need it. So that's been really fun to make sure everybody has a tree. Is that something you've been asked to do or you just have you just on your own volunteered to do that? Yeah, we volunteered to do it. We want, this is our community and we want them to have a Christmas. Yeah, no, we volunteered. Mm -hmm. From, you know, uh... And there's always chainsaws going around here. <laughs> just our little um, kind of group that just friends group, we were able to place 86 families in homes, get them clothed, get furniture, make sure that they had pots and pans and plates and lots of toilet paper. Um, real quick, we did it within two weeks. We had everybody in homes. And then I have to say, I've been very impressed with FEMA. It, FEMA came on board right, I mean, during that, but right on board, we were able to um, get together with a lot of people from FEMA. I had a lot of people from FEMA reach out to me and they were able to help these individuals one-on-one. -on -one. And if it was filling out paperwork or rent support or anything, I mean, I've been, I, I've been really impressed with FEMA and how you guys have reached out to us. Yeah. I think some of the lines of communication were difficult along the way, but um, I think that's, you know, probably, with anything, but I think with anything, that's a little, the one, the one thing though, that I've liked about FEMA is immediately when somebody steps up, I could ask them any question, but here's my business card and call me if you need me there. I've used those business cards and either they've answered on the first ring or gotten back to me within 10 minutes and every problem has been solved. It's been amazing. Yeah. To even. We did an interview up in Detroit. A lot of people were com confused on how FEMA worked. And I had Pam, who is in your communication. She, I talked to her and she goes, where are you? And I go, I'm actually in Detroit right now. She goes, I'll be there in an hour. She drove right up. I was able to interview her on Facebook and it was amazing how that transition then went. So, yeah. And you've, you've provided homes for people directly. Is that, is that correct? We had donations. It wasn't, we didn't do it directly. We helped them get a place and then we helped them look for the resources to financially be able to stay in it. And then we had a ton of people that donated. So another girl and I, Elizabeth, were just in kind of the head of it and we would help direct. And then we had a ton of people give us donations. 
So there was, it was, it was a huge group effort. But there I mean, were, it was, there were people that, uh, like Ken and Deb that just literally took, Oh, took people in took their home. People, they still have them in their home. Took people in, mm -hmm. put them in their home with them. And then, you know, eventually somebody had a trailer, a, a, trailer or a motor home and got them into mm -hmm. a trailer. But yeah, there were families that literally brought yep. people right into their home and housed them until they could have a place of their own. We have quite a few families too that are friends and have places up at Detroit that have been burned. But they have acreage, they have farms in Staten, and they put trailers and said, come live here until you know what you're doing and what you're doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're living in trailers there and everybody's really happy. Big outreach. Mm -hmm. And Big he, outreach. a lot of motorhomes and trailers donated. And then we had Power Auto Group, which is here in Salem, or Sublimity. They are a mobile, what do you call it, a trailer well, dealer. They're, they're, a they're a dealer. dealer. But he volunteered for his crew to go through every single motorhome and fifth wheel and everything and make sure it's perfect before the family went to stay in it. And he right. did that out of the kindness of his heart, all yeah. donated. So it was just it was just anything we needed. I mean, literally, I would be on the phone probably eight hours a day just making calls saying, hey, I, hey, I think we're going to need this or, oh, we're going to need this. And it was fine here. Here's this person. Okay, this person go there. This person go there. Um, the Shell Station in Woodburn just said, have them come in and say, um, I just talked to Candy, and they gave them $50 worth of gas. You know, they donated it. Um, the Chevron in West Salem donated gas, donated gas cards. I mean, it was, it's just every time you made a call, it was pretty much, I made a call. It was, what do you need? What can we do? There was never any other statement to me. Will this disaster make it easier for you to respond if something else like happens? No, I don't. COVID and wildfires, I'm done. I'm done for a lifetime. I don't know. I just know that. Um, I think we, yeah, I think we, I, as especially being through this and being a city councilman and having the entire infrastructure of our town leveled, if we were faced with some level of disaster again, I would say yes, there there would be steps that I would know um, immediately without delay that before you are just uh, awestruck, so to speak. I would probably not be quite, I mean, I think you always are in a disaster, but but I would be able to kick into I agree. I agree. Process moving forward much quicker, and what would be and the things that would be more important uh, that much quicker as far as getting these things done. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. I think I could uh, have a different view on it instead of that initial hand wringing moment that yeah. you have, like, what the hell do we do? <laughs> I, I think I think there's still some of that, but I mean, I'm just saying, you know. I know that I have a Rolodex full of FEMA business cards that I know where I call. <laughs> I actually counted them the other day. I have 32, 32 business cards. And so I know exactly which person to call when, why, and how, but yeah, no, I think we would, but just let's cross our fingers. We never have to go through something like that again. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. 
Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for a future topic, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov forward slash podcast.